We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio 92.9, the game back at the John Chuckery Show, halfway home on this Tuesday evening. Hey, dive in the history and culture of baseball's unofficial rulebook with Unwritten, a new podcast hosted by former players Ron Darling and Jimmy Rollins. This week, Trash Talk is coming up. That's going to debut tomorrow. Download Unwritten for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast from, 404-741-0929. Solomon Brothers Diamond Tech Sign to be a part of the show. Odyssey app site, catch on the go. Social media at 929 The Game at JMCH316. Um, that's life is going to be a little bit different tonight because I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit and talk to all of my parents um, that are out there. And I'm going to get day-to-day involved in this as well. But um, it was a very strange and quirky weekend for me and really because on the dad front and everything like that. But we'll get to that coming up at 920. Braves are up 6-1 to one right now on the god-awful pig slop, muck and mire, you know, that, you know, like when that, you know, when it's cold outside and your nose runs and that snot kind of hangs down and freezes, right? That's the pirates. They're like that frozen snot that gets on the end of your nose when it's cold outside. Or, you know, that like loogie that gets caught in the back of your throat that you keep kind of choking up and everything, got to spit it out and it's got that thick phlegm to it. That's the pirates. They're your thick phlegm loogie in the back of your throat that you can't wait to just hock up and spit out. It's sad to hear you talk about them like that because, like you said earlier, like, I mean, they're a storied franchise. Yeah, like, I mean, you probably grew up with yeah. them, you know, the late 70s through the 80s yep. and the early 90s. Early 90s, yeah. You know, they were right. one of the better franchises. I mean, look, they were – They've been historically one of the best franchises ever in the National League. Yeah. They were super yeah. successful in the 60s. Obviously, they went to the World Series, you know, in the 60s and the yep. 70s. You know, they were successful in the 50s, mm-hmm. you know, when they the, at the turn of the century with Hannes Wagner. They were one of the best franchises. They played in the first ever World Series. Right. So, I mean, look, they, you know, they are, it's a shame, and it's not like they haven't any players. Remember, they drafted Garrett Cole, number one overall. Mm-hmm. They drafted Josh Bell was another first round. They've had good play. James Tyon, they've drafted him. Mm-hmm. You know, they've drafted, you know, good players over the decades. But they have not paid or, you know, developed them enough. And, and when they get good, they don't want to pay. They just yep. trade them away. Yep. And you can't, you, can't, you can't keep hoping that you draft superstars that would be young and cheap. Baseball is a money business. Okay, you have to spend some money at some point. At some point, you have to lock guys up and build around them. And then you can keep filling that well back up full of water. But you can't get you can't get Josh Bell and Garrett Cole good and just dump them off and trade them away for prospects. Because you'll never it's so hard to develop prospects into all star caliber major league players that the idea of getting two or three guys back for Garrett Cole, most likely those guys will never be that good for you. You know, the Indians were lucky. 
You know, right. when they traded Bartolo Colon and CeCe Sabathia and when they traded, um, you know, guys like Sean Casey and stuff like that who were good players through the organization, they got some talent back. Right. You know, they were able to get, you know, um, Grady Sizemore and players like that. They are able to get Cliff Lee, mm-hmm. you know. that it, They got those kinds of guys. But that doesn't always work out. Right. You know, it doesn't always work. And, by the way, when they when they traded Sabathia to the Brewers and who'd they get? Was it – did they get – I'm trying to remember who they got. I don't think it was – I can't remember if it was who they got in return. They got Bob Wickman, I think, was one of the guys. And they got a couple of the young players. Maybe Richie Sexton was part of that that deal. But, you know, Sabathia went on like a 12-1 and run for the Brewers that year and took them to the playoffs. So when you give up your quality players for junk, sometimes it works, but most times it just doesn't. And you give away guys like, you know, you give away these guys like, you know, Garrett Cole and Josh Bell, and you just are never going to get the return from them, especially when they're young guys and they're cheap. You're not going to get the return on them. But one guy who's had a certainly a very good season and been one of the heart and soul of the Braves is Dansby Swanson, right? And we know that he's about to become a free agent at the end of this year, right? We know that he's, you know, headed toward free agency. And obviously one of the big questions is, do the Braves sign him or or not? It's been an interesting season for Dansby in this perspective. If you just look at his raw numbers, right? He's hitting 290. He has scored 80 runs, 16 homers, and 68 RBI, right? That's a pretty good Obviously, pretty darn good year. Maybe his best year ever as a major leaguer. And right now with 16 homers, you know, that's a pretty good number, right? He's probably going to be, you know, pushing toward 25 homers or somewhere around there. But if you look at how he's gotten here, it's been very strange. Remember, Dansby didn't hit his first home run this year until the 20th game of the season. He didn't hit his first home run of the season until game number 20, April 28th. So basically three weeks into the season, April 28th, before he hit his first home run. And that was against the um, against the Chicago Cubs. He hit a solo home run for his first home run of the season. And if you look up until the All-Star break, okay, he's got 15 of his 16 homers between April 28th and July 17th. Now, think about that. He's got the bulk of his home runs, 323 plate appearances during that time, in that one stretch. He had no homers up till game number 20. And since the All-Star break, okay, which starts on July 22nd, Day-Day, ask me how many homers he's hitting in 134 plate appearances since the All-Star break. How many since the All-Star break? One. Mm. He's hit one homer since the All-Star break. And that came against, let me find, uh, let's see. That was against the New York Mets on August 7th. That was that five-game series in Shea Stadium. Remember he hits the home mm-hmm. run up there? Mm-hmm. And, it, and that was the game that they had lost. That's the only homer that he's hit since the All-Star break. Strange, you know, look, his overall numbers, his 35,000-foot numbers, right? Okay, he's got 16 homers at short. He's probably going to be a 20-25 homer guy, you would think. But just think about, you know, if he, if he had that consistent power. 
his his 15 homer stretch between April 28th and July 17th. If you extrapolate that out over 162 games, he averages out to 32 homers and 102 RBI. And by the way, in that stretch from April, late April to mid-July, he also hit 318 with a 372 on base percentage out there. So, you know, you know how we do it around here, Day Day, that we have a pipeline, mm-hmm. you know, they've got the Odyssey app on and the right. dugout. They're listening and stuff like that. Right. Yep. I like to see Dansby get his power stroke back. I'd like to see Dansby get some of that power stroke back because it's it's been pretty, you know, it's been pretty futile for, you know, big chunks of the season. And look, he started off slow, right? Really got it cranked up through the middle of the season. And he's not hitting terribly bad. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. he's he's dropped down. You know, he was in the low 300s there, you know, early part of August, and now he's back down to 290. But the power just isn't there for whatever reason, and that's the part to me that's that's so strange. And if you look at, you know, take the month of August, uh, for instance, oh, crap, I had, uh, had that up here. Whoops. Um, if you look at his month of August overall, let me click on that real quick. His month of August, he's hitting 261. For the month, but he's got six doubles and he's got the one home run. Six doubles, no triples, and one homer. And we talked about Olsen and his streakiness and this, that, and the other. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Ozuna and this, that, and the other. You know, Darno and some of these guys and some of their streakiness. But, boy, you'd like to see Dansby get some of that power back, right? For a guy who, you know, has done so many good things this year for the Atlanta Braves, right? And looking to see whether or not, you know, last year he hit 27 homers and drove in 88 runs. He may not quite get to 27 at the rate at the rate he's going. Hell, we're going to hopefully he gets to 20 at the rate that he's going on. But if you extrapolate it all out, he had no homers in his first 71 plate appearances. He had he's had one homer um, in his last 205 plate appearances. And then he hit 15 homers. And 323. So 0 for 71 to start, 1 for 205 since the All Star break, but 15 and 323 through sort of the middle of the season, right? Mm-hmm. So would love to see Dansby get that power stroke back. And I thought he'd had a shot to be potentially a 30 homer guy. Now, look, he's already set a career high in stolen bases, he's got 16 steals on the season. I would, I would hope if he gets his stroke back, he's a 2020 guy. And it's going to be fascinating to see what kind of money that he gets on the open market. Demands, yeah. You know, it'd be fascinating to see what he gets. But, boy, you'd like to see some of that power stroke of his come back, that, especially where he hits. Having Harris and Grissom at the bottom and Ronnie right in front of him, he's got three – guys that are all kinds of ability to get on base in front of him. He's in a perfect spot that, boy, if he can find his home run stroke back, he could have a lot of RBI because he's going to have guys on in front of him. He's going to have guys on between Harris and Grissom and Ronnie. You're going to have guys that are on. You don't have to wait for Riley and Olsen to get up there and bop everybody around. 
Would love to see Dansby get his stroke back from a home run perspective. And again, look, you know, he's going to be, I think, a $20 million shortstop. And and I keep saying, I don't think Dansby's going to sign a, what do you want to say, like a team-friendly deal, because why should he? Yes, I get playing for the Braves, but this is his first chance ever in his baseball career to cash in. To go get some money. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes you kind of wish, and obviously Alex Anthopoulos wasn't here, but it kind of makes you wish that they had given him one of those deals even when he was kind of fledgling around and struggling. People would have freaked out about the idea of him getting nine or ten years for $80, $90 million or whatever like that, but you almost wish he'd have been a guy that you locked up because – I think he's going to win the gold glove this year. I think he's going to be a 2020 guy. Well, there ain't a whole crap ton of 20 homer, 20 steal gold glove shortstops that are running around in baseball today at a premium high position, right? Right. Few positions on the baseball field are more important than what your shortstop is. He's sort of the captain of your infield, right? Mm-hmm. So hopefully he can find that home run stroke and, and get that back on track. But, it's funny how how players, we talk about, you know, guys going through hot and cold stretches. That's why you have to be impressed with guys who can consistently perform, you know, throughout the majority of the year. Because every player, no matter how good they are or how good of a season that they've had, again, if you look at the top numbers, you say, all right, 16 homers, almost 70 driven in, hitting 290. You know, overall, the numbers level themselves out. It's just that you get these things in chunks and stuff like that. And if you get two or three guys hot in your order, you know, that's, you know, that's tough to do. You know, think about the Cardinals. The Cardinals have been a two-hitter lineup their entire season. Imagine what they look like. If you take away Goldschmidt and Arenado, who might be one and three or four in the MVP race in the National League, take those two guys out of the lineup. That looks like, that looks like the Tidewater Mets. That looks like the Gwinnett Stripers. That's how good that lineup is. So, Dansby's had some real streaks this year to even get his home run bat back. All right, when we come back, that's life. But we're going to do this thing a little bit differently than uh, what we have norm- what we normally do. No top ten tonight. I'm going to have a little discussion with Day Day about a couple of things here when we get back. Chuck Rinnicky Studios, Sports Right Now the Game, the Odyssey.com app. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 
15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Back with you on the John Chuckery Show. 921 live in the Kia Studios. You know what time it is. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-741-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey apps, how you catch us on the go. Social media is at 920 The Game. At JMCH316 on Twitter. We'll uh, replay our interview with Tori McElhaney coming up in about 20 minutes from right now. So normally we, you know, look, this is a segment where we don't talk about sports, right? We kind of break away from everything. And, you know, normally we have a little bit of fun, some crazy stories, top 10 lists and stuff like that. But this is going to be a little bit different, and I've been thinking about this all weekend long. And this is one of those times when I'm going to big time it and I'm going to pull, I'm, I'm going to pull my, you know, I've got a big platform card right now okay so day day i know you're a parent you know i'm a parent of a teenage daughter my daughter turned 13 she'll be 14 in november right so you know they were at the cherokee high school football game on friday against cartersville and all that kind of stuff then saturday night she was with a friend of hers and wanted to spend the night Mm -hmm. and i had never met their parents i said okay you i can i'll take you over but i want to meet their parents and everything okay right so I met them, really nice people and all that kind of stuff. And they were going to the my daughter's friend's brother plays football and he had a game at Woodstock High School. I don't know if it was a I don't know if it was I don't think it was a varsity game. I think it was maybe like a JV game or something like that. On Friday? Yeah, or on Saturday. Oh on Saturday. Yeah, yeah on okay. Saturday. Might so, have been a middle school or uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's either a middle school or JV or whatever. I don't even know. I'll right. be honest with you. I don't don't really know. But they so my daughter and my daughter's friend mm-hmm. wanted to have one or two more girls come over and spend the night in this any other. Right. Okay. And the parents didn't want all that. Because one of the girls they don't particularly like. Mm. And one of the girls I don't particularly like. Okay. Um and these two girls they wanted over, they've gotten my daughter in trouble before. Mm. And it's just not been good. Right. And right. so the girl who couldn't come over was all upset, and she was talking to my daughter 
at the football game on the phone. She was talking to my daughter's friend on the phone and all that kind of stuff. And she went in and put on her Snap Face or <laughs> Instabook or, you know, Facegram, whatever. Right. She put out a thing that said, hey, there's going to be a party at midnight over at this girl's house that they were staying. Put it out on social media for everybody. <sighs> and <laughs> so... The foot, if you remember Saturday night, mm-hmm. it poured yeah. down rain around. Yep. They were supposed to have the football game at six o'clock, but the weather was so bad it got pushed back to eight, right. eight or eight thirty. Okay, mm-hmm. so they got out of there late and they wanted to go get some food and they went to, um, they went to Taco Mac right there on Highway ninety two and five seventy five right. right by the Home Depot, right, and got something to eat. Well, they have that, you know, that ring thing with the cameras and yeah, the sensors yeah, and all that. Yeah, yeah. And he's got internet and all this kind of stuff, cameras and all. So his cameras and all that and his phone start going off. This is what my daughter's telling me. Right. This is the dad's. This is the dad. Right, right. Yeah, where they're going to stay. All these people start showing up at their house. <laughs> and by the time they got out of there and got home, it was almost, it was after 1130. Right. There were like 15 cars in the driveway and parked on the property <laughs> that were there for the party. And some of the, I guess, according to my daughter, there were a bunch of those kids that would not leave. And so dad went in and got his gun. Oh. And then one of the neighbors heard all the commotion. Right. He went and got his gun and came over with dad and, and helped <laughs> out dad. And they and, and the neighbor and dad sat out there with their guns as Excellent. people were coming in and out of the driveway for until I guess it was almost four in the morning when it finally stopped and died down. Wow. So the girl did that out of spite. Yep. <laughs> and, and you know, I was already on the fence about a couple of these girls that my daughter has right. hung around with. Right. And I, I, we had a big talk. Like, I cut all that off. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, and, and this is kind of my message. I'm, I'm leading into everything with this, you know. I get it's easy to blame the girls, okay, that that were involved in all this. But one of these girls spent the night at my ex-wife's house on Friday night, Mm -hmm. snuck out of the house and didn't show back up until 7.40 in the morning when she came knocking on the door. And part of why they were over there is because, from what I understand, that their mom really didn't want them to come home. Mm. And so they had no place else to go or whatever like that. Wow. And can I tell you, like, it's bothered my heart all weekend. Because I'm 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 frustrated by the girls, but right. I can't be I can't be mad at them for their behavior because they don't have any there's these two girls. Right. So the one girl, the one girl has cut her arms up in the uh. past. She's got a buzz cut. She was wearing a bikini top to the football game and stuff. She's got issues. Right. And supposedly she does have a mother and father at home. And I'm like, well, what are they doing to help this girl? Right. I mean, she's screaming for help. And then the other girl never sees her dad because Mm. he's a drug addict Mm. and doesn't spend any time with him. And the mother doesn't want anything to do with him. And it just it bothered me so much this weekend because I was like, yeah, I'm frustrated by the girls, and I'm also not going to let my daughter spend any time with these two right, girls right. because I can't drag my daughter down right. because she's already gotten in trouble once for sneaking out of the house. Right. It, it's just a bad situation. And I'm like, 
you can't go over these girls' house anymore. Yeah. You can't not and not the person who not the person that where she ended up staying. Right, that, they right, were fine. Right. But but these other two girls that stirred up the pot. Right. I was like, you can't go over there with them anymore and spend the night at their house. They can't come and spend the night at yours. Right. So if they're going to sneak out and show back up, knock on the door at 740 in the morning, your mother has to take them home and all that because nobody wants to give them a ride or anything or somebody's strung out. And I hate that. Yeah. And and this is what I'm going to say, Day Day, mm-hmm. um, because this is I've been thinking about so week. Look, I'm certainly no perfect dad. And, and I'm, you know, I'm divorced from my ex-wife. And I've been divorced for most all of my daughter's life. Mm-hmm. We got divorced. She was only like two years old when we got divorced. Right. Okay. Right. So she has very, she pretty much has no memory of me living with her. Right. right? Obviously, because she was a complete toddler and infant and everything like that. Right. But I guess this is my first message for the dads out there. Mm-hmm. Don't just be the sperm donor. Right. Be a dad. Be a father. Yes. Be yes. involved in your kid's life. Yeah. Because... Man, these kids today get so screwed up. And listen, yeah. I'm fighting with my daughter on a lot of stuff at 13 years old because she's disc- and it's a whole new world yeah. with the TikTok and the and the social media and the yeah. Instagram and all these crazy and and all the access right in their in hand. In their hand, yeah. And on one hand, you don't want to take all that away, you know, because you want them to make sure they can communicate with people and, and right. especially us. But on the other hand, it's like. Too much is too much. Yeah. But I know it's easy to walk away, and it's easy to not want to be a parent right. at times. And I had to fuss at my ex-wife about, you got to be strong through this. You know, these teenage years. Especially with a female. Especially yes. with a girl. Yes. And these teenage years, I can already see, are going to be so challenging. Yeah. And, you know, as a dad, and I try not to get too over-involved, but in this, I'm neck deep in it now. Yeah. And, like, I've laid down ground rules, and we've come up with – I've come up with the solutions because if my mm-hmm. ex-wife can't handle what she's shown she can, I've got to step in and do right. it. Because I'm only going to get one chance to get – and, and here's mm-hmm. my thing, and this is why I feel so bad about these girls, mm-hmm. because they think they know – they have no idea. They don't right. understand how the world works. Yeah. They don't understand when they put themselves in danger, mm-hmm. you know, like sneaking out and wandering around in the middle of the night and yeah. trying to find somebody to give them a ride and this, that. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. Or my daughter's like, well, I'll just take an Uber if I leave. I'm like, you're going to take an Uber by yourself <laughs> in the middle of the night at three at, at 13 years old. Yeah, no. I was like, you're going to end up in a ditch. Yeah, we're not doing that. No. And, and it all. just, it bothered me so much because it's like, you know, I, I can't fix those girls, and it's not my job to fix. But I don't want those girls to end up, or and my daughter included, obviously, but I don't want these other girls to end up making a mistake that they can't bounce back yeah, from, right? Yeah, we yeah, all we yeah, all goof up yeah. and we make mistakes and stuff like that, right? Yep. But there are some things, Day Day, yeah. that you get into in life that you, that you will never yeah. climb out of, yep. you know? And, yep. and, and I don't want to get into, but we all know, like, you can make the wrong mistake, trust the wrong person, mm-hmm. you know, get involved, and and you think that oh, it's no big deal. I do this, this, or this, and it goes wrong. Yep. And and look, you know, it's it's a different world now. And, mm-hmm. and look, there've always been perverts. There's always been 
mentally screwed up people. Yeah. There's always been all of that. Mm-hmm. But now they have way more open platforms than they've ever had before. Way more access to yeah, you. Way exactly. more access Way more to access to, to people. And there are... And, and you... If you've never had to face or confront evil mm-hmm. in your life, mm-hmm. you don't understand that concept. Yeah. And, and I do very much believe in, you know, the concept of good and evil. Yeah. I think that there are inherently evil people in the world, and if you don't know how to avoid or confront or not put yourself in a compromising situation, you don't know. And right. and at 13 years old, you know, they tell you, "Oh, I know this and I know that." They don't know anything. Nothing. They don't know anything. And I feel awful for these two girls because I don't think that they are inherently bad people. They are in such a bad environment, though. You know? like They're just searching. They're right. searching for uh, where to belong. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And they don't get the leadership and guidance and love and yeah. things like that. You know, their parents may think that they love them. Right. But... You know, love isn't buying your kid a pair of Air Jordans. Right. No. Lo- love isn't upgrading their phone. You know, watching out for their best interest isn't letting them go over to some friend's house to spend the night because you want to be the cool mom or dad or right. letting them try this or letting them try that. I don't want any of that stuff. Right, right. And and it's so hard to get your arms around all of this. And, man, it is – it was a rough weekend. Like, I, I'm my heart is still – really heavy because I'm dealing with stuff with my daughter yeah. and you know I hate to shut her out of these girls lives but that's all I have left right. like I I have to just I have to just take the pair of scissors and just cut that band right. off yeah. and, and and you have to just for now you know maybe later on but yeah. for now you have to stay away from those people yeah you can't have them over you can't go over there because I can't trust any of them yeah I can't trust them and, and I can't trust my daughter enough. You know, thankfully, my daughter didn't do anything stupid, like leaving the house or anything like that the other night. But I just, you know, when I when I heard that story about the social media thing and kids coming up for parties and stuff like that, yeah. like, first off, what is a bunch of, you know, and again, these aren't probably, because none of these girls are over the age of 13, 14 years right. old. So I don't know how many people that they have in a social circle to start with. But I'm guessing that obviously they had to be old enough to drive. Yeah, I was gonna say. But that. but I'll guarantee you that there were a bunch of goofball. And look, I'll be the first to admit I did a bunch of goofball things as mm-hmm. a teenager. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Fortunately or unfortunately, I got through it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I and unfortunately, I didn't end up in a situation where I I would have I could have ha- well I take that back. I did enough dumb things that I was lucky that I didn't I didn't get the negative side of some of these things. Right. That that I fortunately came out. Right. But I can't just roll the dice and say be lucky to my daughter. No. You know, I don't want to put her I don't want to do anything that puts her in a bad situation. And I feel awful for these girls and and it all starts at home. I mean, it's all the parents and it starts at home. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to, to be there for your kids and see the signs and understand. Mm-hmm. And especially like, with your situation with the, you know, and like you said, I know you said she doesn't really have a lot of memory of, of y'all living together, but just the fact that she's still in, uh, oh, you know, listen, the, the split I've, home I've, thing. Right, right. Like, listen, I'm, I, I see her 
I mean, I talk to her multiple times every right. single day. I see her every single weekend. I spend all my vacation. I mean, I, I'm there for her. I just don't live with her on a right. daily basis. Right. But it just bothered me so much yeah. this weekend. My heart has been so heavy on all this because it's like th- there's nothing that bothers me in this world more day day mm-hmm. than a kid getting screwed up because of somebody else. Right. You know, and these yeah. kids, they think they know, but they have no idea. Right. And I, I can't fix everybody. I can only fix right. one person. Right. But I feel so bad for some of these other kids that don't have that guidance and that and that that way in their life. You know, yeah. Whatever it is. I mean, if you're religious, you know, you know, Jesus, the Lord, I mean, whatever whatever avenue yeah. it is. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. whatever your spiritual take is or whatever your pathway for life is. Yeah. So I, I hope everybody out there, I know there's a lot of folks that are in the same situation I am. I've been know. there with you. Uh, my daughter, my oldest, so I know exactly yeah, what you mean. It, yeah. It's just, man, all I can tell you is dads, be that guiding force for your kids. Mm-hmm. Be their dad. Be their father. Doesn't mean always be their friend. Yep. You know, I'm, you know, at times yep. I'm definitely not my daughter's friend, <laughs> but I love her with all my heart and I would, and I would give my life gladly right. for hers. But I don't want her to ever get in a situation where right. she doesn't know how to handle mm-hmm. evil or bad things and she's faced with that. Right. And there's too many kids out there that are facing all of that right. in today's world. So anyway, there's my soapbox for, <laughs> for all of that. All right. When we get back, Tori McElhaney joined us earlier in the show. We'll talk to her about what we saw last night in the Falcons game. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Right After the Game, Odyssey.com app. Because this final. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is the John Chuckery Show, live on this Tuesday evening, coming off of, unfortunately, a Falcons loss last night. But fear not, it's only preseason, and we've got one more of these coming up on Saturday. going to be a busy week for the Falcons. I mean, joint practices, a game on Saturday, cuts next Tuesday. We've got a few cuts here today. And to help us sort it all out, let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline. Atlanta's Ford dealer. Let's talk to our friend of the show, Tori McElhaney, joining us. She, of course, covers all things Atlanta Falcons and Atlanta Falcons dot com and of course follow Tori on her Twitter page at Tori underscore McElhaney and Tori as always thanks for a few minutes with us here uh, tonight which you know wasn't a uh, a good second half for the Falcons but I certainly think there were plenty of positives to take away from last night yeah I, I do too I'm not overly worried about preseason records uh, I know that everybody did watch that second half and hated it as you should it wasn't good but for me personally, I look more at over the course of joint practice and then the game that we saw on Monday night, I'm looking more at individual work and what type of evaluations this coaching staff is getting on the individuals almost more so than what they're getting for the team at large. And that's kind of where I'm at. I think it was really interesting to see how much work we got to see 
the first team offense and defense get against uh, the Jets number twos. But I think overall, I'm not ready to just like burn the whole place down because the second half went the way it did. I mean, I think like when you run Felipe Franks out there and this is a guy who has played 80% of his training camp reps at tight end, you get what you get. So I'm probably going to jump all over the place in this interview because I'm kind of like you. I've got all kinds of thoughts going through my head. Let's start with, I thought the running game took a step backward last night, though. And if you look at the running backs, take away Franks' yards on the ground, running backs barely averaged three yards a carry, only a long of eight. I thought they really did some good work in the first game of the preseason. Even the quarterback runs aside, I thought the running backs did well. But I didn't think they did so well. I know the Jets, you know, have this good defensive front, but those guys didn't play last night. Were the coaches kind of disappointed, even though they kept it, you know, the same kind of very much past the run balance here in week two? Uh, you know, were they disappointed in the run game as well? I don't think disappointed would, would be the right word. I'm sure they would want more production, but I think when you look at it, it's not. I know we're getting to see, we got to see more of Tyler Algier, and I think. I use Tyler as a good example as to what he did in both the run and pass game. I, I wasn't overly upset that the Falcons were averaging that type of yardage in terms of the run game. But it, I think too, looking at what was a, what was able to happen against Detroit the week before and how many times we saw Marcus and Desmond take off for six or seven yards a chunk uh, when they scrambled, I think you have to take that into consideration. And I think that that was something that I'm not entirely sure Arthur Smith wanted to see from these quarterbacks. I think he wanted to see them stay in the pocket a little bit longer and, and move the ball downfield through the air. So in terms of the the running game and, and the productivity of the running backs, it wasn't a huge deal that we didn't see, I think, the production that we saw from the week before. I thought both quarterbacks looked sharp. And, you know, I read some of your comments talking about Felipe Franks. We're going to talk about him in, in just a minute here, but I thought Mariota led some good drives. I thought Desmond Ritter did some good things as well. Um, you know, it was good to see them get a little bit of, of kind of pass-oriented and try to push the ball downfield. It felt like that there was some more of that conscious kind of effort in this game is to try to design some plays to get the ball going downfield further. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that we we really did see them staying in there in the pocket a little bit longer. I thought pass pro looked at, pretty good, especially with the first and second team. I, I know you had some procedural penalties and stuff and some holding, which that in and of itself needs to be cleaned up, obviously. Arthur Smith talked a lot about that post game, But for the most part, I thought pass pro held up fairly well. And I think that allowed Desmond Ritter and Marcus Mariota to have the time in the pocket and the, 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 the receiving yards that they did was because of that. And so I think if you're taking something good out of that game, it, it was that even with, you know, the, we were talking about the, the Jets defensive front, even those reserves are, are some pretty good reserves in terms of what you're going to see across the league. So for that reason, I was pleased with what we saw from Marcus and Desmond, of course, talking about the procedural penalties, those have got to be cleaned up. And, and I think talking to Arthur Smith postgame and then Scott Baer talking to Desmond Ritter postgame, they know that. That, that, that. That's not what they want. Arthur Smith doesn't like that at all. He's said as much multiple times. If you saw him on the sidelines, he didn't like it. So there are some things to be cleaned up. But in terms of, I think, 
just the the tempo, the timing of the passes, the routes and the conceptions. I think all of that looks pretty good, especially in that first half. Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com joining us here on the WadeFord.com hotline as we look back to last night's loss against the New York Jets. Let's talk about that offensive line. Let's start first because my big thing that I think we're trying to figure out at this point is Hennessy or Dahlman starting at center. Do you think anybody did themselves better than the other? We saw any kind of separation. I mean, I do understand that this thing is going to go all the way through the preseason and probably into week one of the regular season trying to figure out who's going to be the starter. But did you get any sense of one guy maybe pulling in front of the other from last night? To be honest, no. I know that there was, you know, we talked about those procedural penalties in uh, the second quarter. And last night, Drew Dahlman worked with the first team and Marcus Mariota and Matt Hennessy worked with Desmond Ritter, which is opposite what it was in Detroit. And I think that is really – I feel the need to point that out because I think you're exactly right when you're saying, like, this is a situation, this is a competition that's going to go all the way to week one. I 100% believe that to be true. Every single day of training camp of this preseason, it's Matt Hennessy and Drew Dahman switching off every single day and so I think this coaching staff they've said from the get-go that they want a fair evaluation of those two guys working with the first team however I don't know I I, for me personally it's like they are so neck and neck and so close that I haven't really seen someone pull away with the job Uh, now we have a really big week of two joint practices with the Jaguars and then of course the game coming up this weekend this is a huge week for those two guys because you do have to make a decision. By the time you get to week one, you really need to know who that core group of offensive linemen is going to be. And the only one that's really up, the only spot that's really up for grabs at this point is that center position. So this is a big week for Drew Dahman and Matt Hennessy. I wasn't really surprised by some of the cuts. I mean, I've talked to some people about, you know, I really like Auden Tate. I like his skill set, but he just wasn't getting – a lot of things done in camp in the preseason, just not separating himself. So wasn't really surprised by anything. Do you think that there is going to be a name or two that surprises us a week from now when we get down to the final 53? Or you think we have a pretty clear picture about what this roster is going to be? I think it's fairly clear. There are about five or six names that I, I go back and forth on, but I think the best example is you look at this wide receiver room, and I think from for the last two weeks, I feel like that room in and of itself is kind of where a lot of my 53-man roster questions lie, because let's say they carry five receivers. You know Drake London, Alameda Zacchaeus, and Brian Edwards are locks, those three. So let's say if they carry five, you have two spots remaining. Who are those two that you carry? Well, I thought, you know, you had you you really kind of had a list of guys that I felt were all kind of right in there. You had Kadero Hodge, Jameer Bird, Frank Darby, uh, Jared Bernhardt is is kind of wiggling his way through through the bottom of that conversation. And then you had Geronimo Allison and Auden Tate, who I also thought particularly Allison was in that conversation. Those two guys, Allison and Tate, got cut today. So now you're looking at this wide receiver group that you have four or five guys who are maybe fighting for two spots. I talk about 
the competition between Drew Dahman and Matt Hennessy, the wide receiver room and who makes the 53-man cutdown is almost just as competitive. Tori, I think the Falcons have a bit of a quandary coming up on Saturday, and, and maybe you can clear this up, you know, with all your insider information that you have compared to me. But, you know, you feel like Saturday, ideally, you don't play Mariota. You would start Ritter, but you're not going to ask him to go an entire game. And you so meaning that the only other quarterback is Franks. But to me, after what we saw out of Felipe Franks last night, to me, he's going to either make this 53-man roster because he is a tight end, but he didn't get any targets last night. And you, I think you have to play that balancing game of not trying to put him out in a bad situation where he gets clobbered out there and then ask him to go play quarterback. It just seems like a little bit of an awkward situation. I guess one is, do we kind of expect Mariota to even play in game three? Is Franks going to make the 53-man roster? And how do you balance out the way your quarterbacks are when one of those guys is your emergency second or third tight end, whatever? I mean, it just seems like it's a bit of a quandary at the Falcons' face trying to wrap up this preseason Saturday. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you at all. The whole Felipe Franks narrative, let's use the word narrative. Uh, Arthur Smith probably wouldn't like that, but I'm going to use it anyways. The Felipe Franks narrative, conundrum, whatever you want to call it, is very confusing to me. And I say this because throughout all of training camp, we saw him take, I would say, 80 to 85% of his reps and his snaps at tight ends. He was never really in that rotation at quarterback. He would come in sparingly, but it wasn't until we did get closer to the first preseason game that we even saw him take any significant reps at quarterback. And even then, it was kind of just in seven on seven. So that, to me, kind of pointed to like, oh, Felipe is honestly, like if you're talking about like converting, like in my head, he had converted to a tight end and he was just kind of thrown out to play quarterback when Desmond and Marcus needed to rest their arms for a series or whatever. But then you get to the the Detroit game and we don't really see him at tight end. We see him play some special teams, but that was kind of it. He doesn't play quarterback. We really didn't see him hardly at all. And so going into the joint practices with the Jets, you saw him take more and more reps at quarterback. And then, of course, we saw him come in and halfway through the third quarter at quarterback and not really have a ton of reps at tight end on Monday night against the Jets either. So I'm really confused because the Felipe Franks that we saw the first two weeks of training camp is not the Felipe Franks that we've seen the last two weeks who's been playing, he's been playing more quarterback. So when it comes to this third preseason game, I would love to see Felipe in that tight end role because he has been doing some good things in training camp at that position. I really don't care to see him at quarterback, especially after what we saw in the second half on Monday night. But you also don't want to overwork Desmond Ritter and Marcus Mariota. So it, it's so so I'm 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 with you. I don't know kind of what this third game, this third preseason game looks like for the Falcons because so much of it hinges on what you want to see Felipe Franks do. Because I feel like maybe like I don't know if I put him in the 53-man roster as a quarterback, but maybe I put him in the 53-man roster as a tight end just because for what he did in the first two weeks of camp. But to be honest, I don't know what the heck they're doing with him at this point. There's so many questions that I have 
about what his role is and where they see it fitting in in the 53-man roster, plus what they want to do in the third preseason game against the Jags. I'm very, very confused. <laughs> so, last question, Tori, because I'm with you. I, I, I'll be honest with you. My my gut tells me he's going to be back on the practice squad when all is said and done, but we'll, we'll, we'll get a clearer picture next week. But with that, one of the things I was curious to see is whether or not the Falcons – would have cut down to 78 or 79 today to get a roster spot or two open because you and I have talked about they have some cap space. Um, you know, we're getting to a point where I, I do think they want to add to this roster, either offensive line or defensive line. And yep. I wondered about whether or not they would want to bring somebody in before they get into this final preseason game. What do you kind of think the where we're at as far as bringing in some more guys and, and taking a look at it and adding somebody. Do you think that comes after preseason, after camp, after we get to the 53? Or do you think that it could even be, you know, over the weekend after the preseason game and they get back here and they have to do some last-minute evaluations on some guys? Yeah, so the way that I look at this, uh, and I'll use the defensive line as an example. The defensive line has been just – bitten and ridden with the injury bug mm -hmm. as we know there's been a lot of injuries across that defensive line we literally saw last night Jalen Dalton who was really also I felt fighting for a roster spot we saw him go in there with the the ones and the twos and have a rotational role and on along the defensive interior he gets hurt last night he's waived this this today this afternoon and so for this position group to me I think if you're the Falcons you have your eyes on every single defensive lineman that is going to be cut from another team in the league when we get to the 53-man cut down. I think you have to reinforce the depth across the defensive interior because of what's happened this preseason with the injuries accumulating the way that they have. Now, the, do you do that before you get to the 53-man cut down and you bring in some guys in, or do you wait and do it after so that you have kind of a whole plethora of guys to choose from? I personally think that it's okay to wait until after the, the league cut down on August 30th. Um, you have a, you're a week away. I think you can use this week to evaluate, continue to evaluate the guys that you do have. So guys like an Abdullah Anderson, is he somebody who you think you can keep along that defensive interior to act as a depth piece? Or do you wait and you get that, I think you wait, you get that evaluation, and then you see what guys become available after the 53-man cutdown? Because I think that position group, you have to bring in reinforcements in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And I think the way to do that is to see who falls off the bubble elsewhere. Follow her on Twitter at Tori underscore McElhaney. Of course, she covers Atlanta Falcons for AtlantaFalcons.com. She's at Yankees game. She's at Harry Styles concert. She's a woman <laughs> about town. So, Tori, as always, we appreciate a few minutes from you, and we will chat again here soon. Can't wait. Always looking forward to it. John Chuck, we will be back. Sports right now to the game in the Odyssey.com app.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.